Good day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Episode 8 of Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia. Scaling is the hardest task facing a startup entrepreneur. Harder than getting started, harder than getting to an MVP, harder than getting investment. Scaling is hard, but there are any number of startups who have scaled successfully, including a few who have already been on Twista, such as Canva, Envato, Catapult, and Airtasker. What can we learn from their successes in scaling? That's the theme for Series 7. So, once you've found product market fit, once you've got your first great customers, then it's time to scale. And in this episode, we'll be speaking to an entrepreneur whose rocket ship ride into scaling has just begun. Where is she focused and why? What are her worries? How does she scale sustainably? These are the questions at the core of Series 7, and they're front and center on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To find out more about entrepreneurship at UTS and the UTS Startups program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Are you a small business looking to streamline costs on shipping and postage? Simplify and save with SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. Visit them online at pitneybowes.com slash au slash twista. And This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by .co, the domain name for innovators, entrepreneurs, startups, and creators growing extraordinary ideas online. Your brand wasn't built to blend in, so don't let it get a .co domain that's as unique and memorable as your one-of-a-kind idea. Find your .co today at go.co slash twista and take advantage of the freebies, tools, and resources to get your idea off the ground. That's www.go.co slash twista. So this would be back in around 2006. Nokia had just introduced their flagship phone, the N95. It wasn't called a smartphone. Nothing was really called a smartphone back then. It was a smartphone in all but name, and I bought it because it had the first camera that could capture video in standard definition, 30 frames a second. I was going to be able to shoot movies with it. I was teaching at film school at that point, so I could see this as sort of being the camera of the future. But the phone came with another application. I didn't really notice it at the time, but it did. And it had this Maps application on it. The N95 was the first mainstream mobile to basically fully integrate GPS into it. And 
I remember one day I was trying to get to this event called Rocket Car Day where people would go into this industrial precinct and basically strap rocket engines onto the back of model cars and see how far they'd go. It was very, very sort of underground and they'd given an address which was somewhere in Marrickville which is already a difficult suburb to navigate in Sydney and it was in the abandoned industrial park. I had no idea where I was. I had no idea how to get there. I open up the Maps app and all of a sudden not only do I know where I am but I know where I have to go and I have this sudden flush of recognition because I realize that I'm never going to be lost again and I have that moment again in Shanghai I had that moment again in Tokyo I had that moment again in Hong Kong with my modern phones open it up and you always know where you are and that's great as long as you're outdoors inside where you can't see GPS satellites you're you're, you're flying invisibly and that's a problem and it's not just a problem for visitors it's not just a problem for someone who hasn't been there before but it has it real real meaning for anyone who has difficulty navigating inside of a building. It's a big problem. Now, fortunately, there's a solution to that problem from Surrey Hills startup Bindi Maps. And here to talk through that solution and her startup is Bindi Maps founder Anna Wright. Anna, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Mark. Okay, so what is Bindi Maps doing? Okay, so at Bindi Maps, um, we've created a navigation and information mapping system um, for indoor areas, as you rightly say, they're very difficult to get around. Um, but we've done it specifically for people that are living with vision impairment. Um, because if you can imagine um, as a fully sighted person, um, how it would be trying to get around a busy, difficult shopping centre if you were blind. Um, at least you've got those little maps yeah. that they do put around for you. Um, once you're blind, um, you've got absolutely nothing to help you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we had this idea that if you're in a shopping center and they've turned off the lights, for example, how are you going to not walk into walls? How are you going to know where you need to go to do the next thing? All right. So that's the problem. What are you proposing as the solution? What is Bindi Maps offering as the solution to that? So Bindi Maps is a smartphone application. It works very similarly to Google Maps, mm -hmm. except it has been optimized for people with vision impairment. Mm -hmm. So as well as the normal sort of mapping function and, uh, and routes that we're used to from Google Maps, we've also got a whole lot of information and other overlays. Um, so, for example, um, if you were using a restroom as a sighted person, you know how the, the bathroom works. Right. You don't need any help. Right. But if you're blind, I just want everybody to just imagine for a moment what it would be like to try and flush the loo once you're finished. Yeah, where's the button? The button's where's always the button? in a different place, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's just not nice. Yeah. Being a mother, I just go, that's just revolting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one of the types of information that we will also include mm. in the app as part of that overlay. And again, you don't even think about this. No. If you're not sort of working in that kind of environment, you don't think about these things. I mean, I was just in Saudi Arabia and I was noticing just, you know, the way men are in robes in Saudi Arabia. And you know what? A urinal doesn't have any meaning <laughs> if you're wearing a robe. It was my first <laughs> yeah. moment of going, because oh, I was the only, because I was in Western dress, right? Everyone else was wearing a robe. And it's like, 
Oh, yeah. Things you don't even think about, about how you plumb, how you design a bathroom, how you design common spaces around the way people are culturally and the way they are just in their bodies. Yes. And look, it's it's one of those things that is it's actually a little bit of frustration for me. I mean, we're trying to solve this thing with Bindi Maps, but so often I'll go into a beautifully refurbished bathroom where everything is those um, sensors. And they're which often, always break. Oh, which always break. But if you can imagine... If if you're looking at a mirror, and this is true of our sort of domestic airports, mm. where you've got air comes out in one bit, soap comes out another bit, and water comes out another bit, there's no braille, there's no other indicator except for the words. And I've had people who have vision impaired that come out and they will use a few rude words but say, <laughs> I was covered in soap exactly. and water and air and everything's just a complete mess and... <laughs> I okay. hate it. Okay, so, so so there really is a goal here to make these implicit spaces explicit, right? You know, there's all that implicit intention around the design of the world, that, you know, an architect may have dreamed up, but that when it comes to someone who isn't operating in the same world that we're in, mm. then it's really, it's it's impacting them much differently. So Bindi Maps is trying to then equalize that. Absolutely. So that's what we're all about. It's about providing independence um, to what's actually a fairly large proportion of our mm. society. It's mm. one in every 42 people will have a vision impairment. And um, to be clear, vision impairment doesn't mean that you need glasses. It means that once you're fully corrected with your glasses, you can't read the third line on an eye um, chart test. Yeah. So if people are familiar with those. So if you can't read that third line, you fairly much can't see very much at all. So right. um, if we think that's one in 42 people have got that amount of sight and then it's one in every 400 who are completely blind. But I get so many people that say to me, well, why do I need Bindi Maps as a building owner? I've seen one blind person in my entire life. It's like, well, yeah, because they're at home. They're, yeah, that's right, because they can't able, go out. They can't go right. out. and It's right. It's someone who may have like macular degeneration, yes, for yes, example, so which is elderly. quite common, particularly yes. in elderly people, yeah. although I have a family member who has it who got it young because yeah. that also happens. And yes. again, can't read that third line on the chart. And yes. so you, you really do need to accommodate a much larger set of people. And mm -hmm. it's also around, I guess, the intention both from Bindi Maps but also from the buildings to make the buildings accessible. And welcoming. Well, right? Yes, and that's where we've we've had lovely conversations with those building owners that really get it, mm. that they want that accessibility, they want that inclusion, it's part of who they are. And often it's really just, sometimes they haven't even thought about these things like you were saying about, about restrooms is I quite often have these conversations with people and they're like, oh my God, I never even thought about that. And I'm like, hallelujah. It's not that people are doing the wrong thing, they just don't know what they don't know. Right. Exactly. Mm. No, we're all functioning on our own little cultural map. And yes. as soon as we leave that map, we're like, oh, the world's yeah, much bigger than we saw. Yes. Yeah, so I always joke with my team that my my grand plan for the future is to have every sighted person know how to shake hands with somebody with a vision impairment because they're just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly we have these guide dogs everywhere. It's going to be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So so we understand the, the nature of that. So how does the solution actually work? What, do you, what are you selling as a product into a shopping mall or a public space that people are using? Yeah. So the app's been live in the App Store now for about seven weeks, and mm -hmm. it's free for anyone to download. Mm -hmm. Anyone can, um, can take that for free. Um, there's no freemium 
product or anything like that. Um, our customers are those shopping centres and the building owners. So they pay for us to come in, um, work out the space, work out the routes, the venues, and to put through our beacons uh, so that then the app works in that particular space. Um, if you're blind or vision impaired, uh, the way that the app works is in voiceover mm -hmm, mode. Mm -hmm. um, and I should say on that, because uh, around 98% of people with vision impairment use Apple, we have launched on iOS. And that's where we're yeah. at at the moment. And that's historically, I know people with vision impairment who use smartphones because the affordances have always been quite strong on in the Apple ecosystem. And, the, the, yeah. you know, they're not bad in the Android ecosystem, but they've always been quite strong. And so there, there was really sort of a whole yeah. sort of path Apple's, around that. Apple's got a fantastic commitment yeah. um, to working with people with various different disabilities. Yeah, although That's if you have poor, fine motor skills. <laughs> you, True. You can't but use switch a smartphone. Anyway, there's, yeah, yes. yeah. No, 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 <laughs> there's I know. all this sorts is, of, yeah. There's, there's all sorts of edges, but mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. I think they've been much more willing to be able to develop uh, affordances and accessibility as a core part of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So do you see yourself, are you sort of a kind of a service bureau business then where you basically come in to a client and say, okay, this is the service we're going to provide for you. We're going to map out your space. And how does, how does that actually work when someone says, okay, we need this in my space. How does that work? Yeah, so we are software as a service. We charge a monthly licence fee, um, but that monthly licence fee covers all of the hardware installation mm -hmm. that we need to do mm -hmm. as well. So there is an upfront six months payment that just helps with startup with cash flow, obviously. Um, but yeah, so then it becomes a monthly SaaS model right. for our, our customers who are our building owners. And then we have our users who basically anyone who download, downloads the app and wants to use it. How does, how does that then work with respect to sales and building a sales channel? Do you, does that take you, either you or someone in your sales team going out and sitting with that customer and walking them through a sale? Because I can see this as being something that is a slow, <laughs> gentle, coming to light <laughs> yes. sales cycle. It's, it's a very frustratingly slow and gentle <laughs> sales cycle. Um, look, we've been really lucky. As I said, we, we haven't been live for very long. Right. And what we are doing at the moment is we are contacting uh, different... We've, we've been doing this for a while, but now that we've got the app, we're really hitting it. But we're finding those customers that really get it. Mm -hmm. So um, our biggest installation to date is is a Stockland um, shopping centre, which is the Wetherill Park shopping centre. It's a huge footprint, um, but it's really exciting. They're great to work with. They really do do understand what we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, so they're a great first customer for us. And we've got other installations. We're at Guide Dogs. We're with Vision Australia because we've been working with them right from the beginning. Um, on the team, we've only got one person with vision impairment. Um, and so we've, we've never wanted to develop something for somebody without their input. So we've been quite careful to include Guide Dogs and Vision Australia in the UX and design. Um, so, yeah, it's a long, slow process to talk to building owners when we go through this, but I don't have any blind people, I, like this whole thing. And then what's the deal with guide dogs? And um, yeah, so it's a it's a long education piece. But, yeah, so if anyone out there in your listenership is feels that they are one of those building owners, please get in contact um, because we're trying to to get as as we're building out precincts is the way that we're thinking about it. 
spoken like a true startup founder. We're talking, <laughs> awesome. to, we're talking to Anna Wright on This Week in Startups Australia, and we will be right back. Developing entrepreneurial skills is at the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. UTS students are creating their own jobs and starting their own companies through the flagship program, UTS Startups. Within its first year, the program has launched more than 200 student startups, and they're just getting started. Equipping students with the tools and expertise to become entrepreneurs, then connecting them to industry partners and the startup ecosystem is all part of their innovative approach. UTS is connecting thousands of talented students to industry and works closely with a network of partners to match students and startups through their startup internship program. As a leading university of technology and Australia's number one young university, UTS is investing heavily in this future right now. UTS's inner city campus is also uniquely positioned in Sydney's thriving tech precinct to be the catalyst for digital and creative industries and the startup community. Join them on the journey building Australia's largest community of student entrepreneurs. Go to startups.uts.edu.au to find out more. Back on this week in Startups Australia, talking to Bindi Maps founder Anna Wright. So, Anna, you came through the She Starts program. And we had Nicola on very early on when She Starts was just starting up. What, you were in the first cohort, right? Yes, and I they were very proud of you, I know. Because <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I'd heard about you since then. <laughs> what was that like in a, in a program that was so focused on enabling female founders to be great? Well, I suppose the first big thing for me was that uh, She Starts and Blue Chili were willing to invest in just an idea mm-hmm. and a person. Um, th- my friends will tell you that I've been running around for many, many years talking about why is there Braille there? How is the person who's blind supposed to even know that there's Braille there? And all these sort of design flaws. So my friends were quite happy when I actually decided to do something about it. But of course, being a non-technical founder, um, I was like, okay, well, I'll put this in and I'll never hear from them ever again. And then when they invited me along to the boot camp, I'm like, okay, okay, well, this is just because, you know, I don't know, they've made a mistake. (laughs) And then we just went through the whole process. So that was the first thing was just to have um, that first person who goes, yeah, this is a good idea. And yes, I'm going to put some money and some effort and some of my time into you. I'm like, oh my goodness. But that's really just been, those have been the highlights so far over the whole career is is those people that have gone, yes. So staff that have now come to work with me, investors that have put their own hard-earned cash into this, um, businesses that have signed up, um, people with vision impairment that have come on board to do testing. It's just been a lovely journey of, um, yes, we think it's a good idea. So what? Would you say about your skills as an entrepreneur? Where she starts was that very much the boot camp, the download of here's your here's the core skills you're going to need, or did you walk in with a lot of the skills already, whether or not you knew? 
I, I so my background is in finance and business development, and um, I've I've been teaching at the University of Technology Sydney in their innovations course for a long time. And they're also very supportive of what I'm doing. Um, so I had done a lot of business development for startups, um, probably not right from the very, very beginning, but certainly from that sort of MVP kitchen bench stage. And I have taken them through to IPO. Um, but it was the first time that I had been on that product side, the advertising, the everything side. And so I'd be quite, you know, I would laugh with Nicola uh, because we'd be in a seminar and they'd be talking about UX and I had to Google it. So I had no <laughs> idea. I was just there going, what are they talking about now? So there was a whole language and way of doing things. Like nobody ever shamed me or that sort of thing. Everyone was always very willing to be helpful and share and that sort of thing. I but think almost at that point you go, oh, that's right, that's the private club language. And yes. and we get embarrassed about that because we actually don't want to be seen as being too clubbish. It's like, oh, we got caught using that language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're now confusing yeah. the new person. Yeah. Um, it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah. So Blue Chili certainly um, did give me a crash course, but it was more than that. It was also in watching because part of the She Starts um, program wasn't just the cash, it was also the sprints and the builds. So to, for me to be a fly on the wall and watch the way that a product manager would talk to me and then would talk to developers and that and to the designers and to the UX magic people. Um, that once you'd Googled it and figured yeah, out what I they were Googled, doing. Once worked out what UX was. Um, and that wasn't the only example of that, let me say. Um so it was great to even see the way that the culture worked, the club worked um, around things. At so university, we, we don't do design thinking. Sorry, university. Um, and we're trying oh, no, to. I think they're painfully aware of yeah, this now. Well, we're trying. We're yeah. changing yeah. at university. Uh, but, yeah, so it was, it was a great, it was a fantastic learning experience. Okay, and it, and it got you through, and it got you actually, I think you got investment pretty much right after you left She Starts, right? I sort of had to. So yeah. it was. it's always that, that thing of, of needing cash flow. So, yeah, I finished up, I think we finished up She Starts in about August, September, and I think my first investor came on board. No, it was my first investor came on board on Christmas Eve, um, go to the Christmas party. Um, and, yeah, so it was very much, it was either, now we've got a good idea. We had, so where we had gotten to through the She Start program is that we had a somewhat decent MVP and we had a pilot site. So we really had proof of concept and we could show that we could do it. Mm -hmm. We had proof of concept around the product and we had proof of concept around the business model. And that was what I was able to take out for a, a seed round. And that's what we were we were able to raise. And, and now with, with Stockland on board, you're starting to have product market fit in the fact that you have take up. Yes, we're trying to prove that take up now and increase that take up. Okay, which brings us to the whole theme of Series 7. You are now in the middle of trying to scale your business. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, what does that, how many employees do you have right now? So, right now, I've got five full-time employees and three part-timers. 
And what do you reckon? How how much do you, are you trying to grow now, and how are you trying to grow that? Because at some level, the question of scale isn't just a question about sales, but it's scaling the entire organization. It is at the moment. We're very much focused on on sales. Mm. Um, we've got a really good product uh, pipeline of what we want to do with the product, um, but that scaling is so especially so. Being from a finance background, I tend to think of benchmarks as funding rounds. And when you're looking at doing a funding round of every 18 months and you know then and you go out there, I've already done that, and talked to your next, so post-seed Series A investors on what they're looking for – it's all about sales. Yes. So it's all about traction and market and sales plans. So again, being the ex-accountant, I have huge spreadsheets on uh, different verticals and who we're talking to and what property they've got and then what that would look like. And but, uh, yeah, it's scary. But uh, yeah, scale is, is a very difficult, scary beast. But yeah, I, it's one of the most challenging things. So, I think. so what what's scary to you about it? Is it that you don't quite know how to do it? I mean, I don't know that people do it, but I don't know that anyone actually knows how they did it after they've done yeah, it. Yeah, I yeah. So I would say I'm not a natural salesperson. I'm mm. a natural introvert, uh, but you can't be. So I'm now getting very pushy or um, what would the hustle um, about cold calling people, about using my networks to get introductions, to talk to people. And I will say for a business owner, a fast no is the most kind thing you can do. That long drawn out maybe is just does my head in because nobody's got enough time. I'd rather go, okay, no, not interested, moving on. Um, But then you do find those that are interested and then they tend to, so the ones we've got so far tend to be advocates for us Mm -hmm. and our investors are certainly advocates for us. So given that we have such a small team, there's really only um, one and a half people on sales, uh, we, we are stretched very thin in trying to do it, but you've always got that runway versus salaries mm. that you've got to deal with. Mm. So um, we we do what we can do. I mean, when you keep your eye on runway, because runway is one of the things around, because scale can eat up runway faster than almost oh, anything yes. else, yeah. right? How do you keep yourself calm? And that's a bad question to ask an entrepreneur because <laughs> yeah, entrepreneurs generally alcohol. aren't calm. <laughs> okay. And, that, and that's entirely mommy's little helper. It's entirely little thing. <laughs> Thank you. But, but uh, is there a right amount of runway for you or does that vary? How do you sort of, because you're a finance person, which means yeah. you know probably down to the day how yes. much runway you have yes. at any given point. That's yeah. the curse of being a finance person. Yeah, that's the scary part. Sometimes I wish I could be a bit more oblivious, but <laughs> I think it's good not to be. Um, I I highly recommend knowing exactly down to the day what your runway is because you need to think about contingency plans. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is where my brain works. It's like, this is my runway, but these are my three contingency plans. Here's plan B. Yeah, exactly. Here's plan B and plan C and D and so on down the alphabet. Um, So, yeah, runway versus – so most investors, as much as I would like to go out and find one investor that will give us enough money to last the next 10 years, <laughs> that's never going to no, happen. No. So you're always looking at an 18-month runway. And when you break that down, that's sort of like 
five minutes of celebration that you've managed to get the investment. And then 18 and then months 18 of raising months, again. Because you've really, well, you can't, you don't start raising again at month 18. Yeah, no. You've got to start raising again at, if you're lucky, month 14, so that you've got enough time to go through the DD. But that's only... If you've spent those previous 14 months, as you said, currying favor with the folks who might be doing the next yeah, investment, well, right? You, you can't just cold call 14 months in no. and go, yeah. No, you're really, you're talking to them pretty much straight away. And you're having those warm, chatty conversations of where you're up to, to even just get the feeling back from them on whether they're going to be a long drawn out maybe, or they're going to be a no, in which case you just leave them alone. Um, or if they're genuinely interested. And it's also, depending on your startup, finding the right investor uh, because different people are interested in different things. So you've got to bear that in mind as well. All right. Where do you see the business in, say, three to five years? And you'll be still mid-scale at that point. but Hopefully still here. <laughs> that's always... The, you've just asked it's about always, scale and investment. That's, that's always a good thing. Yeah. So, so let's presume that you're okay, still no, here. Okay, no, no, let's not presume we, we will still be here. You'll still be here. Uh, we will still be here. Um, we will have a very good footprint in Australia. Um, we will have a footprint in America, in the United States. Is that, is that going to be your first uh, foreign uh, market, Well, you we did think it was going to be, but it, as of a call this morning, it might be Great Britain. Um, so you just, I don't know how with Brexit that's all going to work. But well, I mean, fortunately, we're not in the EU, so it doesn't hurt us yeah, at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, look, we... D- Vision impairment is everywhere. Yeah. Buildings are everywhere and, and smartphones are everywhere. So we're just, you know, at the moment we'll jump on different opportunities as they arise. We've certainly presented Bindi Maps and we've had interest from the United States and we've presented in Europe and in the UK. So that's where we start to get all these different bits of bits of interest. But yeah, five years time, let's just say we're going to be worldwide. That would be cool. Anna Wright, thank you very much for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. Are you a small business or small e-tailer looking for better ways to streamline costs and improve efficiency? Introducing SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes, the complete office sending solution that makes it easy for small businesses and e-tailers to consistently choose the right sending option for each parcel or letter. SendPro Plus provides shipping options and prices, prints labels, and tracks parcels. An integrated accurate scale helps assign the correct parcel label or postage. SendPro Plus makes sending simple with automatic rate updates and a shared address book across available carriers. Pitney Bowes brings shipping, mailing, and tracking capabilities to businesses looking to simplify their shipping and mailing while reducing costs. Simplify and save with SendPro Plus today and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. To learn more, visit pitneybowes.com au slash twista.
for as long as I've been working in technology, I have been both fascinated and pleased when I find someone who's actually working on technologies that bring accessibility to people who have some sort of problem getting along in the world. And it's been a consistent theme in technology. Technology has always been around providing abilities that we don't have. And we don't normally think about the fact that we might use Google as a sort of external memory. But then we can see someone who might be having some memory issues who actually starts using Google Docs to keep track of all the things that they can't keep track of themselves. And we can see how we build these tools for ourselves. But an Many times we actually need other people to build those tools for us. And we could see Anna Wright doing this. She's solving the problem for a class of people who have a specific set of difficulties navigating a specific set of spaces. But once she solves that problem for people with visual issues, she solved that problem for absolutely everyone else who doesn't know their way around a space. So accessibility is more than just this nice thing or this good thing that you do to feel good, although it is all of that. But it's more than that. It's actually a foundation for a business that is broader, that services everyone. So in fact, doing the right thing turns out to be doing the best thing for your business. And we need to keep that in mind that we don't just sort of get dismissive. Oh, you know, they're helping out people who have some sort of deficiency or disability or handicap. It's not that at all. What they're doing is they're building the critical infrastructure that will be taken up by those people first before it is used by absolutely everyone else. And that's the kind of opportunity that a great entrepreneur can seize, that can see clearly more than everyone else can. And 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 I had this idea for years first. She was able to articulate it when she got to She Starts and then turn that into a real product. But it was something that she knew had to exist. And it's that kind of, I think, perception, it's that kind of foresight, it's that kind of goal-seeking that makes the entrepreneur successful. Now, scaling, which is where she's going next, is the hard bit. How does she grow those sales? How does she reach out and serve a world who actually has a need for what she's doing? Well, this is the next part of her journey, and hopefully we will loop back in three years' time and find out how that's gone. A strong online presence is non-negotiable in today's market. Whether it's your primary location for sales and trade or you just want to have some key information online so people can discover your business, your website is the core of your online brand. And when it comes to choosing a domain name for your website, there are now countless options of domain extensions to choose from. But if you're looking for a domain that is short, SEO-friendly, global, and truly supports your business, go with .co. .co is the domain name for innovators, entrepreneurs, startups, and creators growing their extraordinary ideas online. With more names available than any other legacy namespace, .co is for everyone who is hustling hard and building something awesome. With freebies, resources, and tools for startups available even to those without a .co domain, check out www.go.co slash twista today and find the perfect .co domain for your big idea. .co where big ideas belong on the web.
talking to Anna Wright, I've come to see that some of the things we're learning about scaling are that it means different things at different points on the entrepreneur's journey. For Anna, it's about scaling the sales funnel and the sales team. For another company, it might be about scaling engineering resources or customer service or compliance or maybe all of them all at once. But success, success always looks like scaling, which means from the inside, success always feels very precarious. You rarely know if you're doing it right, even after you've done it. Big thanks to twistersponsors.co, Pitney Bowes, and UTS Startups. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to the studio at Wynyard Green for providing the amazing facility where we record this week in Startups Australia. It's the place for creative tech. Find out more at thestudio.org.au. Thanks to Anna Wright for making the time to come on our show. Now, last year, we rebuilt and relaunched our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We'll be back in a week looking at the scaling challenges faced by two entrepreneurs at the heart of Australia's creative tech scene. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia. 